Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hey parents, I am Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist in Keller, Texas, originally from California, went to grad school in Virginia, did my internship in Hawaii, residency in Dallas, and now I've been the CEO of Dr. Crawford and Associates the past 10 plus years. We have a whole team of counselors, therapists, marriage and family counselors that love to help people restore self-cohesion. I'm the innovator of this innovative, wonderful model that I'd love to introduce to you. So as parents, it's really helpful to know how yourself as well as your child has been designed. That there is a purpose, there's original design to your very emotional, hormonal child that is trying to figure out who they are right now. And so we have a culture that's giving us a lot of misinformation that if followed hook, line, and sinker will actually bring more destruction to your child. Not intentionally, it's just misinformation. Society has a funny way of going from one extreme pendulum all the way to the other extreme. And what we've seen is generationally where we had the be looked at, don't touch, don't speak type parenting, where I'm the authority and that's why. That would be the authoritarian parenting style, where it's high rules, high rigid, very low warmth and attunement. On the other pendulum, we've gone to this very enabling, enmeshing, permissive parenting where it's high warmth, Johnny, you can do no wrong. I love you. What do you need? I'm going to cuss at that cheer teacher. If they don't let you on, I'm going to go tell your principal that they need to change every policy just for you. We went into a very extreme polarizing of the distant, disengaged, high rules, low warmth into no rules, no autonomy, high warmth, high indulging. Do you know what's fascinating is it's not based on attunement. So it actually has very similar internal wounds. It's crazy, but you have to understand how wounds work. A wound is shame where core me goes, oh, I'm bad or I'm different or I can't do it or I'm inferior or something. If we do the authoritarian, kind of that classic military dad type parenting, that style causes the child to feel inferior, less than, I never feel like I've permissioned into equal space with my parent. So a lot of times you have people who have one of two strategies. They will rebel and they'll become their own person and I'll, I'll overcompensate and become better than you and stronger than you and not need you even though I desperately want your approval and I want everyone else to agree with me and always think I'm the best narcissism, or we go into, oh, well, then I just won't even try. And you have those underachievers, people that just perpetually don't even put themselves out there because they don't want to risk failure. So there's that style. On the other side, what we're being taught to do in this generation is this very indulging helicopter parent. I don't want Johnny or Janie to ever feel sad or not good enough. So I'm going to be their champion. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be emotionally available. I'm going to be present. I'm going to pick them up from everything. I'm going to encourage them and fix every situation they have. We're trying to be so on 
that the helicopter itself is actually sending very similar messages. One, the enmeshment of the parent needing to be a good parent to overcompensate for what their parents did. So they're trying to be so good, so on, that the child then feels the pressure to perform for their parent and my flaws, my imperfections don't feel like they're accepted because mom or dad need me to be so perfect and so happy and so externally approved and fit the image they want that so bad for me that it sends a message of shame that every part of me that's broken, sad, disappointed, frustrated, shameful is not allowed in relationship. By wanting so much perfection and so much of a perfect experience in an imperfect world, you're actually sending the message that Johnny and Janie need to create this perfect self. And then they hide all the parts of them that feel like they're not perfect and not good enough. Inside, you're creating a duality just like the other parenting. As much as we try to overcompensate, when we parent based on culture's template of any extreme, we're not actually attuning with what Janie and Johnny need right now. What they need right now is emotional availability with autonomy. What we need when we're very little is to be scooped up and hugged and reassured. And, you know, when you're super, super tiny, every cry, you pick them up. And over time, you start to train them to self-soothe because I've given that soothing. And now I'm helping them integrate that in. Now, back in the day, they used to say, let them cry it out. As a really young baby infant, I would not recommend that because you can't Provide something for yourself that you haven't first obtained through relationship as an infant. But over time, you start to titrate, which just means kind of lowering and easing them into practicing being bored, having alone time. And we're not talking about macro. We're just talking about it's okay, mom and dad, to have an hour away from your child for them to sit quietly in their room. It's okay for them to have a structure and a frame to your life that's not just dependent on every one of their whims and their needs. So much emotional attunement actually feels like a lot of pressure to kids. They feel like your happiness and you being okay based on your facial expressions where you don't look okay when I don't look okay is telling them the message, it's not okay for me to not be okay because it upsets the people around me. Instead of you being grounded, you providing that emotional attunement for yourself, doing your own internal work, living from a whole, healthy, unconditionally loved self that you love your flaws, then you can sit with your child. And when Johnny cries and he throws his tantrum, you provide emotional availability and scaffolding without rescuing him out of his emotions or taking it away and just giving him whatever he's crying about or her about. Instead, we want to create that emotional availability, that frame around Johnny or Janie. And we want to spend time saying, hey, buddy, I'm right here. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry, even if it's at me. We don't have permission to act out. There will be a consequence for hitting your sibling or, or trying to hit me. There will always be a consequence for behavior. But I'm not upset. I'm not angry. And you haven't caused me to lose my cool because I'm not accidentally getting my self-esteem and my sense of worth as a parent through your emotional state. 
when Johnny or Janie realized that that's not working for them anymore, magically, most kids all of a sudden kind of calm down and they want to re-engage in relationship and snacks and fun and sleep, whatever they were originally needing before their amygdala emotional system went out of whack. And now they're hyper responding and looking for strategies Children are looking for strategies on how to get their need met the quickest and the easiest. So what we don't want to do is reinforce this very toxic, narcissistic, uh, the whole family unit surrounds around me and my emotions. We don't want kids to learn to wrap us around their pinky and then us then emotionally drop them in adolescence or continue to create them as kind of the the central force of the family. And how many times I've heard that from parents as well as siblings that we kind of have this identified person with all the issues. And instead of the whole family system addressing, we just keep trying to walk on eggshells to cater to that of person's emotions. That is sending a message of shame. That person doesn't feel good about being emotionally um, chaotic. They don't feel good about everybody having to cater to that. Now, they may not consciously realize that, but internally, nobody feels good being dysregulated and having to have people externally regulate me. They may want it, right? Like we want chocolate, but it's not actually at the end of the day, protein and fiber and minerals and nutrients and vegetables that's going to build me up. We need a parenting that creates frame the protein of attachment and attunement, which is a tuning fork, recognizing what Johnny or Jamie are feeling, resonating with that, not fixing and solving, not trying to cheer them up artificially, but going, hey, I think that probably was disappointing. I get hearing no was really hard today. And I get that. It is still what our family is going to do, but I can also enter into that space with you where that's really hard. And I'll sit here. Well, you have your emotions about it. And then we're going to get up and we're still going to do the right thing. And, or we may still have a consequence about it. The more emotionally available, stable, consistent, unflappable you are as a parent, that's telling a message of security to your child. Even though they may not like what you say, they will still feel more secure if you are predictable, consistent, and they know they can't manipulate you because that sends threatening messages that I'm smarter than my parents and I'm controlling them. Well, crap, who's controlling you know, me in the world? And that's too much pressure. Kids feel that weight and responsibility of being the center of a family unit. Parents need to develop ourselves, develop you. The more grounded, the more confident, the more self-esteem you have, I'm not talking about a narcissistic pursuit away from the family. I'm saying just you putting the oxygen mask on your face. The more grounded, rested, rejuvenated you'll be and letting that kid test the boundaries and you providing that frame that they go, okay, this is the way it is every time. I'm not responsible for my family being okay. I can just rest. I can relax and just kind of breathe in. And I may not like the consequence, but I know the structure of what that boundary is and the, the consistency of it actually lowers the stress response of your child. 
by allowing them to run your family, you are creating a feeling that authority is powerless, inept, and does not know what they're doing. That produces a lot of fear in a kid because then they feel like, well, then I have to take care of me and I have to be perfect. And I can't not because I am responsible for me. And then you get a lot of perfectionism. You get a lot of workaholism. You get a lot of anxiety disorders. And then you get the depressive. If it's all on me and I'm not perfect, well, then I'm a burden. I shouldn't even be here. I can't do anything right. And you see that progression start very young when children think, my parents, uh, their happiness depends on me, that I can kind of control the emotion of the family. In that space, you're actually creating a fear and a belief that I have to be the strong one. I have to manipulate people to get my needs met. I have to regulate my parents and figure everything out and all of this. Like that actually creates a lot of stress psychologically. And they've created a false self where it's like, well, then fine. I don't need you. I won't listen. I'll figure it out myself. And now true self that is aware that I don't know all the answers really feels shame if I ever don't get an A. If I don't pass a test, if I don't pass a class, if I don't get a job or have a breakup, it's devastating because I've built my ego and my personality structure around needing to be perfect, around needing to be the, the right one, the strong one, the powerful one, the one with the answers, the leader. And all of these kids, without having a healthy submission to authority, they actually feel a ton of anxiety about what if I don't know what I'm doing and it all falls apart and I disappoint everybody and I'm exposed as a fraud. That psychological threat puts tons of pressure on kids. So we need to change that power structure, not to the authoritarian, but also not to the permissive. We need that sweet spot of authoritative, which I remember T, tender, and authority you still need to be the authority with your children. You don't need them to become the, and we don't realize we're doing it obviously, but you don't need their mood to regulate how the family functions and we're walking on eggshells and we're fixing all their stuff and we're bypassing all our needs in order to make sure we're driving them to 12 functions. And that's not healthy. Children need to know that you're the authority you have control, you're the leader, you're trustworthy, reliable, and dependable, which means you have to put that oxygen mask on your face and you're emotionally available, you're attuned, you're unconditionally loving to their identity and their personhood, not just to their performance. You need to affirm to them, hey buddy, I believe in you. Whether you get it or not, our family's behind you. We love you. And let's figure it out. Let's do it together. Let's see what happens. If you fail, let's learn from it. If you win, let's learn from it. Either way, that's not who you are. I love you for you. You're worthy apart from your performance. And I give you celebration and attention for just you as a person, not just when you get the A or you pass, or if you fail and the parent freaks out, which the implied message is, Failure is so bad and scary that I now need to rescue you out of your failure, which tells a message of disempowerment, of lack of autonomy, that you need me to come fight that battle because it's so bad to fail. It's just the worst thing, that mistreatment. How dare they do that to my child? Now, the next time they encounter failure, 
classical conditioning, huge adult tantrum, right? We have generations now of people that don't know how to hear no, that don't know how to hear you're not the best. Here's honest feedback because we went from pendulum one all the way to the swing where everybody gets a participation award. Everybody has their emotions and self-love and self-care and this narcissistic self-obsession instead of a really healthy, you're worthy, you're valuable, but you're also submitted under authority, which feels safe, creates a frame and structure psychologically that I don't feel the pressure and the weight of myself and the world being on my perfection and performance. When that happens, now the parent can start to, with adolescence and early adulthood, transition them into, hey, we're titrating. We're bringing you into adulthood. We're going to step back our scaffolding with each age and say, hey, if you forgot your sweater, that's all right. You're going to remember tomorrow because I'm not going to rescue you. Man, that's too bad that that situation was unfair. I mean, if it's egregious, that's one thing. But we're saying most of the time in the situations in my office, people are over responding and they're teaching their children to dread, fear, and feel entitled to stand up for themselves and disrespect authority. I mean, it's very toxic. The way that we're training people, training them through our modeling of our lack of equilibrium in ourselves, that then they freak out and they want to commit suicide if they don't get good grades on a test whoa, we need to step back, take the pressure off the child of needing to be their own leader, restore authority, put the authority back in the home. They don't get to be in control and regulate your emotion or the family system. And then we start to autonomy where we say, hey, here's a little choice, right? Is when they're very little, red shirt or blue shirt, Cheerios or eggs, you know, non-consequential, you're okay if they choose either. Then when they get a little older, we say, hey, here's your curfew. If you choose to be home by this time, here's the consequence, good or bad. If you choose not to and you're late, here's the consequence. No problem. I love you identity, irrespective of what choice you make, but you're still going to have the consequence every single time, which conveys psychological safety because it feels like there's now a frame, there's structure around me versus very permissive, indulging. I mean, the worst thing you can do is say, well, it's okay because they're at our house. So we'll just give them the drugs or the alcohol. Yeah, it's fine. That's like making little adults out of your children when they're psychologically not ready for that. Yes, you're popular. Yeah, reward pathway. They think you're so fun and you're the cool family to hang out with. But what you're doing psychologically is you're creating a monster because now that child feels like I should be able to do whatever I want. I'm a grown adult. My parents can't tell me what to do. What do you mean you're not going to let me drive my car <laughs> when that child did not pay for that car, nor the insurance, nor the fuel? nor anything else that has created the substance of their life. But when you make many adults by fostering them making adult choices before they're psychologically ready to steward that much authority, you're actually conveying psychological stress. False self is created where I'm an adult and you can't tell me what to do. How many kids have we heard do that to their parents? It's super rude. And then on the inside, they actually feel tons of inferiority, imposter syndrome. They don't know why. We don't make that connection consciously. But in therapy, really good therapy, we make that connection 
that they have had too much power, too much control, too much adulting from a young age, and their soul wasn't ready for that. They needed to be a kid and be told things, even if they didn't want to hear it, even if they wanted cotton candy, children need protein, right? There may be limits and boundaries that you put on your children that they really don't like, but that's love. That's adulthood. That's parent is providing that frame, not just being the BFF and the cool parent that everybody wants to do drugs and get high and make out at your house. That's, that's not good parenting. That's indulging an adult amount of pressure on a young psychological child, which then, I mean, I'm talking about adolescence as well, right here, by the way, um, that scaffolding is too much pressure on a faulty foundation where they're not ready to make those decisions. Even in the court of law, we don't hold an adolescent to adult choices because psychologically they're not ready physiologically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually to make adult choices. So please step back in being the parent, have authority, have structure, and win their heart by being emotionally available and listening. So many students say, you know, I just feel like my parents don't get it. I don't have anybody to talk to my problems about. I talk to my problem or I talk to my friends about my problems. And they're just so obsessed with these problems they have. If you come in as the rescuer, the solver, the encourager, the fixer, you're not resonating. They don't feel known. And they feel like, oh, I'm going to roll my eyes. I'm going to watch my parent listen, but then I'm not going to do anything you said because you did all the talking. High authority coupled with high warmth, the attachment, the attunement, the relationship of sitting with somebody in the place of sorrow and saying, man, that is hard. I can put myself in your shoes and there is no easy answer. That just sucks. And I get it. And I want you to know as a family, we're with you and we're willing to walk through this process with you. You're not alone. To the degree that you allow, we want to be in this and provide support. Whether it sounds like the silliest, smallest, inconsequential thing to you, you're building equity and confidence that they can trust that you really do get it and you really do care. Then they're not needing to go tell uh, internet people or equally immature friends about all their problems. You want to create that safety in relationship not just giving attention to when they're perfect, celebrating them and fixing when there's a problem, but creating a relationship equity where they know they can come to you and be heard and known and understood without being preached at, taught, fixed, controlled, micromanaged in any way telling them what to do, but rather sitting with the person, hearing them, knowing them, letting them get the problem off their chest and then saying, you know, if you're open to it, I think I may have some suggestions of things that might help. I'm I would love to share that if, if, and when you're ready. Now I'm asking permission into that space. As a parent, you don't automatically get to help with the inner world, right? That has to be permissioned, whether in therapy or parenting, you don't get that automatically. And I have a lot of parents that are like, see my adolescent. And I'm like, well, if the adolescent doesn't give me permission, they can sit on my couch all day. I can do worksheets. I can give them homework. I can do all the talking, but they're not going to apply it. High boundaries, high authority, coupled with high attunement. What do they need? Sit with them in that place. 
trust the process that as people talk about it, get it off their chest, as your child is no longer burdened by it, they feel alleviated, their soul is calm. And now instead of being triggered back here in the amygdala and that limbic system, that back brain where we get hijacked and it feels true that this breakup really is the end of the world. Now they can come back to the prefrontal and they can start to hear your strategy. But we need to be permissioned. We need to invite relationship and then ask if we can share some strategies that might help. Or I'm, I'm open to helping brainstorm some or collaborating if there's other people that may also be helpful in this job situation or romantic or friend situation, um, letting them feel empowered that they are capable of making good choices and resolving it. You're scaffolding, you're a support system, but you're not going to go in and rescue and do it for them. You're there, you're the backup, but your implied message is you have autonomy. You can do this. I believe in you. You have a cheerleader in me, but I'm not going to rescue and do it for you because there's a lot of life that you're going to have to confront bullies. You're going to have to have hard conversations and deal with conflict. You're going to have to learn how to communicate through things that are uncomfortable. And high school is the time that many young people are not developing that skill. So then they get into the workforce, they get into marriage, they get into parenting, and they have no idea what they're doing because it's always been done for them. We've helicoptered and rescued and swung the pendulum so much that we've actually disempowered this generation to know how to navigate hard things because it being done for them with this helicopter parenting. I want you to know that you're a good parent because you're watching this video. I want you to know that none of us know what we're doing <laughs> and we're all doing the best we can with the generation before us that we're either emulating and or overcompensating for. I want you to know there's hope. I want you to know that even if you and I have made every mistake on the planet, neuroplasticity, the brain can reshape, relationships can reform, dynamics can change. I have one father that was telling me how he really was struggling with a stubborn child. His other kids are compliant, likable and come to him and it feels so great. And so he's like, I just really struggle with this one child. And I said, well, what if this week to even it out, you've been really hard on him. Why don't we focus on attachment, attunement, just smiling in his direction, just getting down on the floor, not teaching him, not correcting or guiding, not disciplining, just sitting on the floor, offering, offering resonance, offering presence, just smiling at him, delighting in him. And the little boy started to hand in blocks. The little boy started to, you know, uh, to dad instead of mom. And over the time of just one week, the father's heart melted to see how much it was actually him and his rejection of his son that was creating the strong-willed child that shifted so easily. Now, the child will still push back. He'll still have some moments, but by repairing the, um, the attachment, the connection, the resonance of unconditional love, not just cheering when the child does something good and not just fixing and solving and correcting and disciplining when they do something bad, because that's all on the outside. Just sit with them, delight in them. Let your face say, I enjoy you. Let them overhear you saying, man, I'm really proud of the decisions that my child's been making. 
and there's a lot coming at him or her and they're just really leaning into their gut. They're making good choices. I believe in them. You know, there's going to be some hard moments. We'll all have them, but I know that he or she is capable of getting through that and leaning into resources and support and mentorship. Just really proud of who this person is, blah, blah, blah. Let them hear you bragging about them, not just performance, not they got into college, they got the highest degree and sports award, but who they are. We all need to be bragged on. We all need to hear that we're invaluable and important just for who we are and are messing up be loved just as much. Who we are in our flaws, in our quirks, it's delightful and adorable. And when that happens, no longer do we have to carry shame and hide and perform and try to have this impression management and live off social media and perfection and number of likes. Now I can just be adored in all my quirky, wonderful authenticity and realness. In a social media world, your kid needs more than anything to know that with no makeup or their hair all messy or, you know, and sweats that you just love them as much as you love them on the day that they win an award. You know, it's identity. That's what we're speaking into them. We're blessing them with and then empowering them with choice so that they know you believe that they're capable of making good choices. And even if they don't, that it's not the end of the world. There's a workaround. There's a consequence because we want you to learn from it. We're not going to rescue you out of life, but we're also believing that you can learn from that pivot, have a workaround, develop a strategy because you're capable of that just lowers that anxiety that failure doesn't feel so ominous and scary anymore. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being an invested parent. You are a gift. These children that you have are especially more blessed than they know. Not every parent would sit through this or any of the other things you're doing to enrich your parenting. So I just honor you and I pray hope over you that you know that no matter how you've done it so far, there's always massaging, there's always a, a turn and we can shift those dynamics from that polarizing back into that sweet middle space where we're flexing and we're available and offering attunement right now versus trying to overcompensate and lean in either direction. Thanks guys. Have a good one.